Got depression, anxiety, talk about it with me. Strange dreams, same page, safe place. Therapy is great, and this ain't the same. But we're crying behind sunglasses anyway. Crying behind sunglasses. This is a Soul Fire production. Hey, 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 Sunnies. Welcome back to Crying Behind Sunglasses, a mental health podcast for cool people. I'm your host, Katie Dahl, and I am so happy to talk to you today. The weather's getting warmer. I can feel that people are getting hopeful again, but also like now that we're nearing the end of this pandemic, or at least lockdown, as strict as it has been, have we forgotten how to socialize in person? You know, I mean, for those of us who have been dealing with various forms of quarantine or lockdown or whatever you want to call it, I feel like we've turned into hermits. We've turned into different people. And so like the idea of going to a party or carrying on conversations in person is just kind of overwhelming. And I'm wondering if that's going to be like the new mental health crisis is just a sudden wave of social anxiety for everyone, (laughs) even people who didn't have that problem before. But either way, it's like, you know, it's positive developments. Like I can feel it. I feel like this summer is going to be, it's going to be a fun one. We finally get to reunite with all of our friends. So today's episode, before I get into it, Disclaimer, in case you're new here, this podcast is not a substitute for medical advice or for therapy. I'm just someone who really cares about your mental health. And honestly, I mean, if you need to go get therapy, you should go check out BetterHelp.com, sponsor of this podcast, because they are the best online provider of counseling. You can get matched with a therapist within 24 hours after you fill out their quiz and it's personalized. You can say, oh, I want someone who can help me with my anxiety about reentering society or uh, depression or OCD or trauma, whatever it is that you have going on. There is a therapist on there for you who can help you. And I have a special deal for my Sunny's listeners. It's 10% off your first month. If you go to betterhelp.com, that's H-E-L-P slash crying behind pod. So what is today's episode about? Oh, I am excited about this one. This one's a little bit controversial, a little bit juicy. It's a little bit of everything. I have stand-up comedian Brent Pella, and he also has a podcast called The Brent Pella Show. We talk about the Mamba mentality. And for those of you who are not Lakers fans out there, the Mamba mentality is from the late, great Kobe Bryant. And Brent, actually, other than being a stand-up comedian, is really great at basketball and used to actually teach and coach at a basketball camp that was run by Kobe Bryant. And so he had a chance to actually get to know Kobe over the course of several years to learn more about his discipline, his passion, and this Mamba mentality of doing everything in your life at 100%. So I think that's something we can all really learn from. We also get into how politics can divide us, but honestly, they don't have to. And there's no reason to put people into boxes because we're all people. Also, like I said, a little bit of controversy. We talk about cancel culture and the possibility of whether or not someone can be rehabilitated or educated after they have said or done something uh, that is offensive. So that's like a question, an open question that I'm putting out to you. And I want to say also just like a quick trigger warning about sexual assault and cancel culture in general. We don't get into graphic details, but I just like to be polite about that stuff. And I will say just ahead of time also like, you know, I mean, I do not condone any sort of behavior that would get someone canceled, whether that is sexual harassment or sexual assault or racism, obviously. But I am curious as uh, we get more and more woke and we start to call these people out for their bad behavior. What do we expect from them? Because obviously they can't just like go get banished to cancel island and be gone forever from society. So what are these people supposed to do? And what are the parameters for allowing them to reenter society? You know, so, yeah, that's just a question that's still in my mind. 
But anyway, um, after today's episode, if you want to learn more about Brent or anything that we talked about, please check out cryingbehindpod.com for all the episode guides. We also have our Facebook support group at facebook.com slash group slash cryingbehindpod. And you can find us on social media at cryingbehindpod. That's where I post some video clips and thoughtful quotes from our guests. Uh, or you can find me on social media at Katie Doll. That's Katie with a Y. So without further ado, please enjoy today's episode. Today, we have stand-up comedian and podcaster, Brett Pella. Hello. Welcome. Hello, my friend. How are you? I'm good. I'm so glad that our schedules finally aligned yeah. and I could have you on the show. Yeah. Thank you for continuing to bug me, and uh, I'm happy to be here. You're worth it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, since you've stepped into my um, virtual unlicensed therapy office, I have yeah. to ask you, how are you feeling today? A little mental health check-in. I'm feeling pretty good. Feeling pretty good. Um, I usually, this is morning time right now. So I just finished my, my yoga and my workout. And uh, that's usually my high point for the day. And then everything starts going downhill from there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Why does it start going downhill? Because <laughs> <laughs> when you wake up, you're like fresh. Nothing's entered your space yet. You know? Right. There's no, there's no damage done. You haven't looked at your email. You haven't read a mean comment yet. So you're just clean and, and cleansed and, and ready to embrace the day. And then the day beats the crap out of you from then on. Um, <laughs> no, I feel good. I feel great. Have a good day. That's, that's good. Yeah, I wish I was, I was more um, like uh, disciplined with my exercise routine because I, like, I envy people like you where you're like, okay, I get up. I do my yoga. I'm ready to start my day. Yeah, do you have a do you have a morning routine at all? I should. I should. When I when I'm when I'm on it, um I wake up, I walk my dog, I feed her, uh and then I go meditate um and like look at my planner and then I'm kind of ready to start my day. And then as far as the workout, like it really depends on what my scheduling is. Like sometimes it's in the morning, sometimes it's in the afternoon. I'm not really consistent with like the same exact time all, all the time, but I've been very into doing a lot of uh, YouTube workout videos during uh, the pandemic. So. Cool. I hope you don't have downstairs neighbors. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I, I, okay, live, I live in a, in a single family home. <laughs> oh, cool. Um, yeah. The morning routine stuff is super helpful for me. I, and it's something I implemented maybe like three or four years ago. And I've been sticking to it pretty religiously. And it really does make me like happy right away just clear headed and happy and good to go. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, and what's, what's your routine? Uh, I wake up, I don't look at my phone until after I've done my workout. So I'll wake up, uh, chug a whole one of these full of water. This, what is this? Like, I don't know, some sort of thermos. 18 Are they going to sponsor? Ounces? I, they should sponsored by water. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I chug a bunch of water, take a, cold shower and then it's like 10 minutes of yoga a 10 minute meditation and then um whatever my workout is so usually it's like a run on the beach and some plyos or like push-ups and pull-ups that kind of thing that's right because you're you're in venice right yeah yeah or it's a basketball workout so switch cool, it up cool, cool yeah yeah actually um well two things the cold shower is very impressive that you do that every day. I've heard that it's really beneficial for like your circulation and for waking mm -hmm. up your mind, right? Yeah, it's kind of like, um, you know, it's not cryo because it's not as cold, but cryotherapy uh -huh. really helps with like inflammation and, and uh, helping your blood flow like circulate and just reducing inflammation so that your muscles can recover better. And uh, a cold shower, while it's not like a freezing cold cryo chamber, it's still... It has some type of effect. I can't speak to the science of it, but I can speak to how good I feel after I do it. And so I'll do a cold shower right when I wake up and then again, right after a workout. And then usually before bed, it's a hot shower just to kind of relax. But um, yeah, I love the cold shower. And, I, and the last time I told my friend that, he was like, oh, have you seen American Psycho? Yeah, that's you. You're, <laughs> you're the guy. You're Christian. You murder people. And I was like, no, I just take cold showers. He said, no, nobody takes cold showers. You, mur you, you kill people. <laughs> I mean, you heard it here first. Brett Pella, <laughs> serial killer, takes cold showers. 
<laughs> yeah, but I like it. The other thing I was going to ask you about you because you brought up basketball. Um, I know uh, that you still play basketball and you worked at a basketball camp for a long time uh, with Kobe. Yep. Kobe Bryant. One of my questions I had for you, I'm sure people ask you about him a lot, especially since he, he passed, was what was he like, you know, to hang out with? And also, like, what did you learn from Kobe? Yeah, I coached at that camp for five years in a row. Uh, so it was a week every summer for one week straight and he would stay at a hotel in town up in Santa Barbara and we would all stay in the dorms on campus. And it's like, it's also where I went to college. So, um, I was super familiar with like the area. So I made a bunch of friends with the coaches and we would hang out all the time. And, and then we would be around Kobe every single day. He would show up to the camp every day. Some of these guys that are pro athletes with camps, they kind of just put their name on the camp. Uh, you know, they sign a deal with Nike to put their name on the camp, use their image to promote it. And then maybe they'll show up one or two days to give a speech or something. Kobe was there at 8 a.m. every single day of the camp. He would often give the good morning speech or the lunch speech and the good night speech. So there was always some type of uh, communication he would do with 700 kids at the camp. And and his involvement was like beyond, like he he loves basketball so much that he would stop a six year old for throwing a bounce pass wrong, and teach <laughs> and teach a six year old how to do it. Meanwhile, the six year old's looking at him like he's a god, you know, descending from heaven, and um, and so his focus and like his his intention was so so obvious like he had this obvious authentic intention behind everything he did whether it was talking to you about like your kids and how you're coaching the team or talking to the camp or like if a kid runs up with a question he's not going to brush the kid off with a quick answer he's going to literally bend down so that he's eye level with the kid and give them a full answer there's stories like this kid came up to him one year and uh, told him that you know they should trade some player on the lakers for this other guy because this guy sucks and the kid was like kind of joking and Kobe's answer was like, well, no, you see, because the salary cap of the team is like this. And if we do this, he's not that good of a point guard because he doesn't really pass in the open court. And if you want to get your transition offense, da, 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 da. and he went on with this like whole actual answer. And the kid was like, oh, uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, the kid didn't realize that he, he was going to get in that deep. Yeah. And, and so like I had a girl, uh, my kids were 11 years old and there was this girl from Japan who didn't speak a word of English. And I was coaching her the whole week. She didn't have a translator either. So I had to like do things like physically to teach her because sure. I couldn't communicate verbally. And so uh, we, she was such a good defender. We were working on taking charges all week. And she ended up winning best defender in our like division of kids. And uh, she took a charge during a game once at the camp and Kobe was watching the game and he ran out onto the court and gave her a hug for taking the charge. This 10-year-old kid from Japan that doesn't speak any English, just got hugged by Kobe Bryant for taking a charge <laughs> in a scrimmage. So the passion that he had for, um, for everything. Whether no, yeah. whether it was big or small is is something I'll definitely hang on to forever. Because um, it was really it was it was special to be around, and it was magic to see it happen in real life. Wow! Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing all of that with me. And like, I think it is special, like you said, that sometimes there's these athletes or celebrities that'll put their name on something and they never actually show up, or they only show up for the photo op. Yeah, and it sounds like he actually cared a lot about those kids and about basketball. And he was there just like the whole time. Yeah. And, and I think it speaks to the bigger picture of what his philosophy toward life is, which is like, it doesn't matter what you're doing. If it's cooking breakfast or if it's running a mega camp for 700 kids, do that shit the best you possibly can. And prop up everybody around you the best you can treat everybody and every task throughout your life with as much focus and energy as you can give it so that it ends up being the best omelet you've ever made or <laughs> you know you change a kid's life by giving them a hug it, like he knew about those moments those how how much those really small seemingly insignificant moments could actually be significant for somebody else uh and that's something that we all, I mean, we would talk about it at the camp, 
it, it wasn't even like, oh, now he's gone, so now we're talking about it. Like as coaches, we would see that happening at the camp and we would actively talk about it and like absorb that energy from him to try and take that with us in our own lives for the rest of the year until we would come back the following summer and do it all again. Um, so yeah, it was great. Oh yeah. I mean, I grew up in LA, so I know that like he has been a hero for a lot of kids our age forever, you know, even when he was around it, it's not one of those things where like, Oh, he was fine when he was around. And then once he died, everyone idolized him. It's like, no, he actually was that great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I always I admire people who have that kind of attitude. And like, yeah, no matter what you're doing, you do it at 100 percent. And I think you definitely have that attitude as well. Like I look at the way that you crank out videos and the way that you put out your podcast. You're just like, go, 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 go. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Like, it's, how does he find the energy? It's uh, <laughs> a lot of yoga. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's that, it's that, you know, that effort mentality. I mean, he, you know, he coined Mamba mentality. That's really what it is at the end of the day. Uh, taking advantage of every possible second that you can. Um, and, uh, so that's why I try to, do. you know, try to be the, the comedy Mamba. Comedy Mamba. Yeah. yeah that's the goal now. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I mean, I think I think you're on your way. Like I said, you're just so consistently funny. And like, I love what you're putting out. And um, I was looking through your videos and stuff uh, this morning before we were uh, going to talk. And something that really resonated with me was what to be mad at in 2021. Um, for those of you out there, you need to go check Rapella's Instagram. But uh, when you go there, there's a video that's like this fake card game that you made up mm -hmm. that's like. I don't know, kind of like Cards Against Humanity or something where you just like pick a card of what to be mad at. And yeah. it's really great because that's how I felt. Like once Trump was gone, I was like, well, now what do I do with all these extra hours <laughs> of my day that I was like scrolling through the news and getting angry? Who can I hate? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's we're, we're in such a hypersensitive time right now where people will like immediately deflect something that doesn't fit with their their own like uh pre-existing belief system and mm -hmm. they'll immediately gravitate toward hating someone just because leaders within their ideology also hate that person. Uh an example would be like AOC and Ted Cruz or like, you know, it's very political. Um yeah. and that's that's what that video is intended for. Cuz I just see people getting super mad about a Republican for being Republican and then like not care about and vice versa, like being super mad at a, lib a progressive liberal for being, that's what they are, a progressive liberal. Sure. And like people will hate that person, but then they won't come. They'll, they'll try to excuse a Republican or excuse someone on their side. And it happens every which way. And um, it's just crazy to me because it, 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 it's so sensitive and I get anxiety watching it happen. Yeah. But I feel like you like to push people's buttons. 100%. Like if, yeah. If there's a common thread throughout your comedy, it's that like you are kind of like not afraid to piss people off on the right or on the left. Yeah. You know, what's really funny is I never did political comedy before 2020 ever. Oh, interesting. Ever. I didn't even do a political video until spring of 2020 until we were like midway into the pandy, you know? I, I, call, I call it the pandy. It's not a pandemic anymore. It's a pandy. Um, <laughs> How cute. So, yeah, we got to normalize it if we're going to live with it. So, uh, you know, I, I never really did political stuff. I did like topical stuff and cultural stuff, like celebrity stuff or trending news stuff, but it never really got political. And then my brain just got broken open during 2020. I just started like reading more and paying attention more and also trying to tap into like the the pulse of what American um, uh, like political culture, what the political climate was in America. And so once I tapped into that, I started going insane because it's just batshit crazy. Yes. And then just trying to like form my own opinions and ideas about things. And I'm still trying to figure it all out. I have no idea what's right and wrong. I'm just trying to comment on it. Uh, but I do see people getting mad for the most ridiculous things and then like excusing the most ridiculous things. So that's where that video came from. Yeah, that makes sense. I guess what I, what I like too about some of your other videos, like where you're doing different impersonations, whether it's like Gavin Newsom, Joe Rogan, Joe Biden, anybody, 
is that like um it doesn't come across as pedantic mm-hmm. because you're not taking a side you know yeah you know what's funny is you could watch a lot of those things though and a lot of people will be like oh he's a conservative he's a conservative comedian and that drives me crazy that that is has the biggest mental effect on me that any type of like digital feedback has on my stuff is when people immediately label me and at this Mm. point i can i can ignore it because i don't care like what people think i am i know who i am but what's been crazy is like as like it, it typically you make fun of you know ted cruz donald trump and what are you you're a comedian right you're a comedian doing sure. those things and then when you make fun of joe biden and gavin newsom what are you you're a conservative comedian is what i've seen you people get labeled as just for making fun of the left and that's something i'm trying to like really breakthrough because I, I i don't see it as fair to just have a neutral label of comedian and then as soon as you make fun of the other side you get labeled a completely different way to me if there's no political agenda behind the comedy and it's just truly to break down barriers of these leaders and and bring people down a peg or two with some roast yeah. humor then you're a comedian no i agree there's people that have like very specific agendas and political messaging rooted into their comedy. And there have been times where I try to get my perspective across through comedy. But I, I just, it, unless it's very overtly created with an intended political message, it's just driven me absolutely crazy to see people like throw out these brands of oh, conspiracy theorist comedian or like conservative comedian, you know, versus just comedian. Yeah, well, I think it's changed because I, while you were talking, I was reflecting on it. I was like, well, I feel like people from all ends of the political spectrum used to make fun of Bill Clinton yeah. or Obama. People would always make fun of the way that he like his speech patterns and stuff. And it yeah. was in good fun. Like if you made fun of that, you weren't um, labeled as anything. Right. Right. So I think that perhaps the Trump era has polarized everybody so much. Yep that it's to the point where um you know you're not allowed to make fun of people on one side or the other otherwise like you know they're re- really ready to put you in a box so ready and it, and it's this it's this it's lazy it's really lazy it's it, it because it it allows people to deflect you and deflect your opinion or deflect your content or deflect your art as obnoxious as it is to call it art but it allows people to deflect you so that they don't have to like um acknowledge anything that disagrees with their own belief system. And sure. it, and it's la- it's fast and it's lazy to just be like ah eh, conservative eh, he's an idiot he's a racist probably. Eh. And I've got <laughs> and it's like it, it's the craziest thing. But I do hope it g- gets back to what you were saying and I'm hoping that the Biden administration can bring that back, but I like I still have not seen people really make fun of Biden. And as it's 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 not like well, he's kind of boring. That's the problem. There's not a lot, you know, there's not a lot to make fun of there. Like he's not quirky enough. Uh, I would disagree. Now, really? You here's think so? here's my approach okay. to making fun of Biden, because I do. Uh, I think my impression of Biden has gone from absolutely terrible to like halfway decent at this point. Okay. And I think. There's a line when it comes to comedy that that people can cross where it goes from like um, humor to bullying. And I think with Joe Biden specifically, it's really hard to balance that line because he does have a speech impediment. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, I, I don't see how you can really do an impression without at least poking fun at the fact that he's forgotten where he was a couple times. You know what I mean? Like just not not. In like a not, I'm not talking about like what you know something gross or like some crazy conspiracy type jokes, but just like maybe he's given a State of the Union and he starts ordering a sandwich. You know what I mean? <laughs> like that's silly. That's just silly. And he's yeah, no, he, he, it doesn't hurt anybody. It doesn't hurt any. But the thing is, as soon as you do that, you get labeled conservative, and they and and people want to protect Joe Biden as if he's this like treasure that should be kept on a pedestal. And I've seen this. I say this because I've actually seen like so many comments, not, not only on my own stuff, but on other people's stuff where they're poking fun and doing little jabs. 
in the same way that folks were making fun of Clinton or making fun of Obama. I I see that. And then I see like this, this, this wave of comments and, and, and conversation and threads of people being like, why are, why are we doing this? We should be protecting this man. This man is doing his best. It's so, it it is afraid, you know, because they, like it was so many years of a leader who they did not agree with, um, who was doing terrible things. And they're really afraid that like, if the public opinion is not supporting Biden, that things are going to go bad again or something, maybe. Right. I don't know. But like, how does it make you feel just to bring it back to like a little bit more personal? Like when you get these kinds of comments that are making assumptions about you or doxing you online, do you even read them anymore? Uh, what do you mean by doxing? Just like calling me out? Like they're just like saying things about you that aren't even true. Oh, or yeah. just like calling um, you a racist or yeah, like yeah, which is a bad person. absolutely insane. Uh, yeah. Uh, anytime I do like a Gavin Newsom video and people comment like, "Oh, this guy is probably just like a little Trump boy." Oh, conservative comedians suck. I uh, I'm I'm very thankful that they've left a comment because it helps the algorithm, and then the <laughs> algorithm shows the video to more people. And it creates more ad revenue, and then I can make rent this month and do it again next month. So I'm I, at this point, uh, I'm thankful. But also, I respond like I have no problem respond. A lot of people don't even read comments. I read comments quite a bit because to me, the comment section is like the audience at a live show. I have no way of of knowing what the reaction is or what the interpretation is of a bit or a joke or a character unless I read some comments. So I do read the comments. And every once in a while, I'll, I'll like respond like logically and like peacefully. And I'll say, I'll call like whoever it is, a bro or a dude, or just make it like, keep it silly and light. And then I'll wish them like a wonderful life. You know what I mean? I'll just say like, yo, hey, just wanted to let you know, like, I'm not a conservative. I did not ever vote for Donald Trump. And I hope you have a wonderful day and accomplish all your goals. And that's my right. comment. That's, that's literally the type of response that I'll leave like pretty often whenever I see that. Um, and that helps me do, doing it like that has helped me mentally because it, 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 it's kept me like positive and it's kept me from like putting out more negative energy. Um, so like the more positive energy I can put out, I feel like that's just the balance of the universe. We just need to be putting out more positive energy. If we're mm-hmm. going to, if we're going to get a little new age here, and, oh, I uh, love it. Hey, bring it in. You know I love what I mean? woo-woo stuff. Dude, I'm woo-woo as shit, dude. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I do that. I, I'll, I'll leave like a, a, a friendly comment rebutting whatever this crazy person said. Yeah. And then I'll move on. And I feel great. Um, and often they'll try to turn it into a comment thread argument. And I'll leave another one that just says, hey, respectfully, I don't get into comment fights um, because I enjoy real life. So have a good day. Bye. You know, <laughs> stuff like that. And But nine times out of 10, whenever I respond, someone will be like, oh, hey, man, thanks so much for replying. That's so cool of you. Sorry. I didn't mean to be rude. Hope you have an awesome day. I just subscribed. Like it's it's this weird mentality where people online kind of defaults to anger. Um, but yeah. but I think in general, people are nice. People are nice in general. and And you just have to like, maybe sometimes be nice to get their niceness out. I don't know. Yeah. No, I mean, it's a great way to handle things because it's not always easy to get those negative comments online and what to do about it. Like some people don't respond at all. Some people delete them or some people like are like, oh, I just don't even read them anymore. And so I think your way of addressing it head on and just like kind of killing them with niceness. That's exactly what it is. is, Yeah, is kind of a it's a good approach. Yeah. My hat's off to you because I think I've gotten those comments before. And usually I just like, I just don't respond. Yeah. Because <laughs> I feel like they don't deserve my time. They don't. They what I 100% should not read another comment. Like, I know that. I know I should just leave it alone. <laughs> it takes up too much time. Five minutes a day is already too much because that adds up. So uh, I'm, I'm currently trying to ease back on, on that <laughs> for my own mental health. <laughs> I hear you. Yeah. So what have you learned about yourself over this past year um, that, you know, of being kind of locked down and everything being different? What have I learned about myself uh, just in the general sense or like comedy wise, personal wise? I would say more like in your personal life, like, uh, you know, has has it changed 
how you view the world or how you view yourself or any of your goals? Or maybe has it affected your mental health at all? Yes, 100%. Um, (laughs) You know, when you're forced to be by yourself, I think that's when you learn the most about yourself, right? So in the past year, my uh, output has like tripled as far as creating things and, and working on things. So I learned I learned that I had a couple other levels, and I think I still do have a couple more levels that I could hit uh, as far as work ethic goes and 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 output of energy goes. I think one of the biggest things I learned was um, and started adapting or adopting is uh, time management um, and how to not waste any hours of the day because uh, if we're asleep for eight. We're awake for 16. You know, you take away bathroom breaks and eating, and we really have maybe 12 hours of productivity a day. You know, take away driving, take away brushing your teeth, all that stuff. How many hours a day do you really have to focus and be productive on what you want to do? Um, so that's one thing I learned, and that's translated into very small and specific parts of my life. Um, for example, somebody wants to do a meeting or a podcast or something uh, or a Zoom meeting or whatever it is or a phone call and they yeah. say, hey, when are you free? How about Monday or Wednesday? I'll say, how about Monday at 8 a.m.? Like the soonest, the soonest we could possibly do this the soon, so that whatever we're working on can happen sooner so that we can have more life to put toward everything else we want to do. So that's like one example. Uh, just because during quarantine... We had so much time to do anything we wanted. And if you were wasting that time, then you were going to come out of quarantine with nothing to show for it. You were going to come out of this whole craziness, nothing to show. So I, I made the decision early on to not waste that time and to really like manage my time properly. And, and uh, so that's, that's one thing. Um, another thing is maybe I learned how to be, I learned how to embrace independence. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That sounds kind of poetic. That's a that's kind of a poetic thing to it, it to is. embrace I mean, independence. Yeah. That's like that's like a that's like on a sign at Target in that aisle where sorority girls buy all their <laughs> wall yeah, art. There's live, laugh, love, and then there's embrace independence. Yes, like drilled into a piece of wood with a little hummingbird on it <laughs> for seventeen dollars. So I learned how to do that because um, I I. You know, coming up in comedy, we're, we're faced with industry pressure, right? The sure. pressure to get rep, get a manager, get an agent, be submitting. Who do you know in the industry? Who's pushing you? I've never had anybody ever. Like, I'm, I've been unrepped my entire career. And I've heard more no's than anyone I've ever met. Yeah. And so during quarantine, when there wasn't even the chance to be told no, because you can't submit for anything, there's nothing going on. You have to do everything on your own. So that was another, like I talk about breaking my brain open. That was like another break where I realized, okay, well, uh, if nobody was messing with me before, nobody's definitely messing with me during a global pandemic. So let's triple down on doing this on your own. And that's when the podcast started. That's when I went from one video a week to three. And that's how I've gotten to where I am now, where I've... I'm I'm like in a, a a better flow, and I'm not thinking about getting rep. I'm not thinking about submitting for this, auditioning for this, because if those things come, then great. But it's not something that I'm prioritizing, um, holding space for in my mind, any anymore. You know what I mean? That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. No, I I think that like just making your own content, it's so liberating because you don't have to wait for someone else to give you that opportunity. You're just doing it yourself. And you're also like, if you want other people to cast you and stuff or do stuff, you're like, hey, this is me. Like you're able to show how you want to be seen. Right. I feel like that's also really powerful. Just take take the power back. I had a kind of a similar experience. I think when I first started learning how to film and edit stuff where I was like, oh, like I don't need to run around begging someone to like, make something for me or anything like I can do this myself. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that's awesome. And also like three videos a week. That's so much like 
if someone is very poor at time management and by someone, I mean me, like <laughs> where, where do we start? Like, do you have a planner? Do you put everything in your phone? Uh, do you set little reminders for yourself? Do you have like a big calendar on the wall? What do you do? Do you want to see? I can show you. I mean, sure. Okay. So I'm going to turn the computer so you can yeah, see. You have to tell us what it is too, because most is people this, will just be uh, listening to oh, this. Okay. Is this going, is it. this going on YouTube too? Um, yeah, I put little clips here and there. Um, there may be a point in time where I end up putting the full show on YouTube. Oh, cool. If, uh, so um, we'll see. Well, this, all right. So this is, uh, this is very secret, but I'll show you. So it's I, a secret. I usually I do, uh, every night I write a to-do list in my notebook for what's on tomorrow's agenda. Sure. But I also have, um, this whiteboard here. Oh, okay. So you can see yep. that. And uh, so we're looking at a whiteboard here. We've got a few different columns with uh, post-its and then another column that's just has stuff written on it with uh Yeah. So uh, the whiteboard, look at this. I can stand up and come all the way over here. How so fun is it? So write and shoot. Look at this. Done. So yeah, we got three sections. <laughs> this one, this is all my new stuff. This is what I'm writing right now and what I need to shoot. This is all the stuff that's been shot. It's in the can. I just need to cut it together. And this is the stuff that's done, but it's unreleased. And then this section is just notes, like what I have going on this week, what I have coming up, what I need to do. And then on the wall behind it, you probably can't see, but uh, there's a full calendar with, um, and that's where like oh, I dates. keep my tour dates. Yeah, that's a three month calendar. So I'll keep my tour dates on there uh, just so I know what's coming up. And I'll put like, you know, podcast appearances on there and, um, cool. and everything else that I need to kind of like keep track of. So, ladies and gentlemen, he's got a system, you know? Yeah, you know, we got we to gotta have a system. Uh, I love this because it's kind of like when you're, you're ready to write and shoot something, then the editing phases, and then when it's done and it's about to be released. Yeah, and when there's so much, there's so much, and the news cycle is just so constantly changing. So I'll have an idea. I'll write it on a post-it note. I'll throw it on the board. And it, it just helps me keep track of stuff because... Now I and it's just be, to me it's just better to have a system like this. Whereas before I was just kind of like throwing stuff at the wall. Maybe I'd make a video put out on a Wednesday and then no video for two weeks and then another one on a Tuesday. And so now I'm Monday and Wednesday, Monday Wednesday, Monday Wednesday, Monday Wednesday, and then every once in a while a Thursday as well or a Friday as well. Um, and it, it it just keeps my head clear, so I don't have to keep all that in my head. I can put it out and just look at it when I need to tap into. It's like having a second brain on the wall. You know what I mean? I love it. I love yeah. it. You know, I used to have a whiteboard. Yeah. Uh, I think I need to get one again. You've inspired yep. me. I think you should. I think everybody should have a whiteboard. <laughs> it's huge. Yeah, it's it's right. the right best thing. Right now, all thing. I have is like a paper planner. And then I like put post-its here and there. Yeah. Uh, but I feel like it's not good enough. I, we got we to gotta up our game. Yeah. Especially if you're doing like bigger projects. Like if you're writing a feature or you're writing a script, mm -hmm. it, it really helps you storyboard the idea when, when you can just put stuff up on the board or on the wall. and. Um, yeah, it helps. Keep, keeps my brain clear. Keeps your brain clear. Yeah. There you go. Mm -hmm. Um, where are you from originally? You're from, you're, did you grow up in Sacramento? Close. I, I grew up in, uh, Davis, right up by Sacramento. Davis. Yeah. I, I went okay. to school in Sacramento and lived there when I was for like maybe age seven through 12 or something. Uh -huh. And then moved to Davis through, uh, junior high and high school. Okay. Yeah. So cool. North. So I did have a good memory. As, as, yeah. as I was saying Sacramento, I was like, not sure, but that yeah. makes sense. Yep. Um. And did you always like? Were you the funny kid in your family or at school? Definitely in my family, but my friends are all funnier than me. I mean, every time I hang out with my buddies from home, I'm not the funny guy in the group. Like, <laughs> there because it's it's a it's a different type of um funny. You know, when you're around your best friends, sure, especially you know, a group of bros that all grew up together and know every single thing about each other. So whenever we get back together, I can name like five guys that I went to high school with that are all way funnier than me uh, in, in like a group setting. So, but in, in, in my family, yeah, I was like pulling pranks on people. I'll go under the table and tie my grandfather's uh, shoes together, shoelaces together, and he would pretend to fall. And I'd be like a silly kid like that. Um, but yeah, all my friends are definitely funnier than I am. <laughs> And do you think like that's just something you were born with or was it like a reaction to your circumstances? I know there's like that stereotype of like the sad clown, like people who get into stand up comedy because 
they've had a messed up childhood or sure they're depressed or whatever. Do you feel like you fit into that or are you just like more joyful? I mean, I'm pretty joyful. My childhood was pretty dope, to be honest. I had a really fun wow. time. Yeah. I mean, I, I grew up with a single mom. Um, huh. My dad, I saw him on weekends and then in high school, saw him less. And then in college, saw him even less. And then now he lives in Florida. We keep in touch. I see him whenever I'm out there and it's a positive relationship. But I mean, my mom is my best friend and she always was when I was growing up and she literally did everything she possibly could to give me a good childhood. I was never like, uh, I mean, now I'm, I'm all messed up just from being, <laughs> from being in Hollywood for the past couple of years. But no, I, I, uh, I think it, it stems from a place of joy for me. Everything I do comes from a place of joy much more than a place of darkness that I'm trying to fill. Um, although I do think all artists have a place like that because uh, I think you kind of need a place like that to draw from. You have to have a piece of every type of emotion in your body. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, it, it all comes from a place of joy for me, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that that's rare. Uh, cause I feel like, um, there's so many people who kind of rely on that darkness, mm-hmm. um, to like be able to write or perform or things like that. And it's, I think, um, definitely a healthier thing to come from a, from a place of joy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So I agree with you. And do you think like, is that the main thing with, with your comedy, like the overall message that you're trying to send? Is it that you want people to question their beliefs? You want to bring them joy? Uh, Maybe a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B? Yeah. uh, All of the above uh, probably. And it definitely depends on like what, whatever the thing is that I'm putting out. Uh A vast majority of the stuff I've made has purely been for entertainment and joy and to just like inject happiness into the world in any way I possibly can. And then the political stuff or the stuff that's a little more like uh, politically topical, um, that has this this air of, uh, you know, think a little more freely because I, I think that's really important, especially today is for people to kind of disconnect from the traditional media platforms that like inspire their own opinions and and do some digging and talk to some people that maybe they wouldn't have before. Um so the that that's those two messages combined, but a that like 99% of what I do is just to bring laughter and create joy. That's all I want. That's all I want to do cuz we all going to die. So we should laugh a little bit more before then, you know? Wait, we're all gonna die. We all gonna die. Everybody, Ray. everybody gonna die. <laughs> everybody gonna die. But we gotta laugh a little bit before then. So that's that's it. Think think freely and and you know don't be married to your own opinions. Um, like allow yourself to be malleable to an extent. Obviously, I'm not saying like hey, give QAnon a shot. That's not <laughs> the, no the the message. <laughs> Insane documentary, by the way. If you haven't watched it on HBO, it's unbelievable oh yeah i gotta watch it i keep like not wanting to turn it on because i feel like it's gonna make me mad it will i feel like i need to also educate myself oh you have to you absolutely have to um but that's beside the point what i'm saying is like just think a little bit more everybody you know what i mean like like don't see a headline and then associate every belief you have about a topic with that one headline you know, it's it's okay to land back on your original opinion and and dig yourself deeper into that opinion. But I, yeah, I think we should normalize people being able to change their mind or change yes. their position on things and learn and grow. Yeah. Because you look at like um, cancel culture, which I know a lot of people say is not a thing, but like I think if if you say something and then someone tell uh, can make you lose your job, I think that's the definition of being canceled. So yeah, that's my feeling. Yeah, uh, it is, and but like I think that the, the the issue there is like le- there's no room for people to be able to reform themselves and learn and grow and to come back and say like hey i've changed i've learned yes you know 100% and that's that's really um a huge issue is people are not being judged for a pattern of behavior of their character they're being judged what i don't want to generalize most sure. so okay so let's use a specific example um Crystalia, uh, mm-hmm. who was judged for 
a pattern of behavior. It was not a one accident thing, right? It, for him, right. It, this was like a a part of his character. It was a part. It was a pattern who of he was over years of time and how he spoke to girls and and treated girls sure. and and yeah, it was terrible. And it, that's a pattern of behavior that deservedly had consequences, right? Yes. So that's different from this example, which I'll give. Uh, uh, Nick Cannon, who on his radio show uh, or his podcast was speaking to somebody and and um, started talking about uh, a, a, a theory that got branded as a conspiracy theory by people who heard it. And it was about, he, he said some things that were genuinely came off. Didn't he say some stuff that was like anti-Semitic? anti-Semitic? Yes, 100%. He, he, he said some things that gen, genuinely came off as anti-Semitic and racist and, and, and not good at all that he just should not have said. Now that right. is not, it's, he didn't have a podcast where he said that for 10 years. This was one conversation and the way he responded after people blew up at him was to apologize and bring on rabbis and people from the Jewish community to help him understand what he did was wrong and how he could learn from it. So yeah, so, I mean, I think I'll say just as like a Jewish person, I was offended because he was giving so much credence to a lot of these like the people who think that the book of Zion is real, you know, like that's not real. It's it's the conspiracy theory that other people right. wrote or like people right. who are like, oh, the Jews control the media. They have all the money like that. They're part of the Illuminati and they're kidnapping children. Like he basically was like giving a stage to someone to talk about that stuff and like acting as if it was a credible thing, you know, so it right. wasn't good. But I think the problem was that he was ignorant, like he literally just didn't know. Well, that's the thing, right? So and he now, took the time to educate he himself. He took which the time to educate himself. He he responded with a very sincere apology. It wasn't some bullshit apology that he typed into his notes. And so, uh, what what now? Do we obviously he's not canceled because Wild and Out is back, and they're going to shoot more seasons in the summer. And well, and he's also still hosting the masked the masked singer, right? And I I think that's because. A, first and foremost, it was a fuck up that he needed to apologize for and learn from. And and instead of doubling down and defending himself, he took the time to educate himself. This does not mean we forget about the mistake, but I think it means that we focus on how he's going to use this mistake to evolve into a better person. Mm-hmm. Whereas somebody who, uh, somebody who exemplifies a, a pattern of behavior over time should feel that's a that's a you know a cancelable offense right um so no i agree it's like you shouldn't have someone who has a terrible pattern of behavior and clearly uh, is not learning from their mistakes uh they shouldn't be held up as a role model right um for people and like you know because i think like if someone gets famous you know even if they don't want to be a role model they kind of are because they're out there in the spotlight there are people that will look up to them yeah so so, so the when when I whenever I think about cancel culture, I just think like, man, are we even giving people a chance to become better? Like, even like honestly, even with uh, Dalia, who got taken out of movies, and I think his specials got taken down and all that. Sure. Like, are we? Is he not deserving of a chance to show that he has learned and become a better person? Like, is, I don't know. I think he needs a, a, a major timeout. Yeah, yeah. Well, well sure. <laughs> And so what I'm talking about is after after that timeout, after that, after these consequences, like what what does somebody do aside from like actual fucking assaults or like physical harm and like direct illegal hate speech? What what does somebody do that would cause them to never deserve an opportunity to have their own career again, you know? And that's where I think cancel culture starts to get muddy is because people immediately say, no, this person should never be able to speak into a microphone ever again, ever. And it's like, all right, well, why don't they just like do their own thing in their own corner of the internet from now on? And you don't support them. Yeah, you know? I mean, this is the thing. I think uh, there are a lot of different like arguments popping off in my head. One is like, why do we need to give him a chance to talk again? There are so many other comedians of color, women, whatever, who could 
be taking up that space, right? And what could he do to make up for all of that? Maybe he could find a way to, you know, support women in general, since a lot of the mm-hmm. actions he was taking were against women. I think there are a lot of like proactive things that someone can do other than just being like, okay, I went to rehab and therapy. Yes. Embrace me again. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So th- they're 100%. I'm not sure what that would look like, but I think that um, taking the time to really educate yourself and then also like whatever community it is that you have offended, like, you know, figuring out a way to really lift them up. Yes. Yes. At one, I agree 10,000%. And, and so when I think about cancel culture, I just think about like, okay, is there ever going to be a thing called um, you know, second chance culture <laughs> or like what, like hopefully anybody who messes up, like, uh, another example would be, um, Morgan Wallen, right. The, the country singer who said the N word and he got oh, caught. I don't know about him. Oh, okay. Well, I I'll, I'll take your word. For he it. got deservedly canceled, uh, taken off all radio stations, like disgusting. He, what he did was terrible and gross and disgusting. And I, I wonder, I, I don't support him coming back. I don't like country music anyways, really. But, but like, and I don't think somebody who does what he did um, should be embraced quickly again. I just am curious what, if any, uh, comeback would look like for somebody who messes up so badly, if any. And I'm not saying there that he should have another chance. That's not up yeah. for me to decide. I mean, yeah. I just wonder. I feel like in you my know? opinion, like the entertainment industry is so freaking competitive. Yeah. And there's so many people out there that don't do that. Why do we need to sit around worrying about the people that That's are a great point. Absolutely. Throwing the N word around. Like, yeah. I've never thrown the N word around. And I never would. Not to say I'm a perfect person. I'm sure that there's something I've said at some point in my life that has offended people, but like I'm a good person. Like I'll I'll get out there and get famous. Yeah. So (laughs) maybe for people like that, like then they, the rest of their career is just out on their own and the record labels can find somebody more deserving. That isn't going to be a dick. That's the thing. If that guy had an audience, I'm sure there are people that will still listen to him. Right. Even if he doesn't have a record label. Right. That's the good part about the internet. Like you can be, uh, in any sort of weird subculture, even if it's very offensive to many people and you will still find yeah. someone on Reddit yeah. <laughs> who will listen to you. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. It's like sometimes I, sometimes I wonder like 10 years in the future, is somebody going to look up a video I did and take one quote out of context and label me a certain way, you know? Yeah. But I was listening to your episode about that. And I think it's, it's true. It's wild. I don't know. It's yeah. hard to say. I, th- I think that, uh, I, I think about that as well because I'm putting out these podcasts every week and I've made videos and stuff and I'm sure, you know, there's a lot to there's a lot to comb through. Yeah. I mean, you could probably make a montage of like a two minute reel of highlights of of me like making jokes that a lot of people would be offended by and just be like, Brent Pella doesn't deserve anything. And it's like, all right, that's what I got to look forward to. You know well, what I mean? Well, listen, if anybody's listening to this 10 years in the future, I just want to tell you Brent Pella is a good guy. Thank you. He supports you. women. I do. I was raised by and... a single mom and she taught me to open the door for women <laughs> or be hurt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I find and I don't I not to generalize, but I have found a lot of um when there are men that I meet who have been raised by a single mom, they seem to have a very big respect for women. Yeah. Like uh, in a different way. Yeah, uh, and it's um I mean, for me, it's just how I was raised. I literally growing up with a woman and then having my sister come into the picture when I was 11. So then I was around two women. It just got embedded in me to not treat women bad ever. And uh, I think a lot of people who have relationship or not a lot of people, a lot of men who are kind of like toxic. This is just my theory. Mm-hmm. A lot of men who are like toxic or like abusive, a, a, a lot of that might come from some type of experience in childhood, seeing that happen in front of them or like being around stuff like that when they were young. And I was around like a strong, independent woman when I was young. That was my example. That was my role model. That's what I saw every day. So I think that you didn't have that example of toxic masculinity right. that you were trying to live up to. Right. I had a, I had an example of like positive femininity. And so that's that's what I took into me. And that's, I guess, just part of my life now, you know. 
Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, I see that, and I think it's it's good to be in touch with both sides of yourself, um, regardless of where you fall on the gender spectrum. Right. You know, I think that like I'm very ambitious, and I have certain parts of me that I some people might consider to be more uh, masculine. You know, but mm-hmm. um, I think it's healthy to lean into that and to not be afraid of it. Yeah, totally. So before we go, um, I have a little segment I like to call Hot Tips, Hot Tips, Hot Tips. Brent Pella, when you have a shitty day, um, whether that means that you have like you're supposed to film outside, starts raining or like you bomb at a stand up comedy show, you come home. How do you turn that around for yourself? Whenever I'm bummed about something like I lose an opportunity or something cancels or like what you said, uh, I got, I have a couple different go-tos. Um, go-to number one is work out super hard. I'll mm-hmm. run miles on the beach. I'll do tons of exercise type stuff and just go really hard. Uh, and that clears my head and it hurts my body and it pushes my body to be in a different space. So by the time I'm done with the workout, I'm clear headed and, um, I feel great. I, uh, I also, um, I love cooking. Cooking is like a huge, huge passion of mine and it's almost like meditative for me. So I do a lot of like homemade pasta and, uh, homemade sauces and things like that. And that can knock out like two hours of just chill time, put on music and cook for a while. Um, yeah. What's your favorite thing that you're cooking right now? Like if I was coming over for dinner, yeah. what, what could I expect at, uh, Shea Pella? Shea, <laughs> I'm doing a really good ragu right now. I do a bison ragu that is absolutely Ooh. delicious. It's um, it's kind of a traditional recipe with a few extra touches, and uh, I do it with homemade noodles, tagliatelle noodles. You make your own noodles? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, like, fr- wow. like fresh pasta. Yeah, follow at Brent's Food on Instagram. That's where it all is. That's <laughs> that my gallery. Really good and also yeah. like bison. Um. I have only had bison, I think, like once. I had a bison burger when I was in Alaska. Oh, cool. I love and it. It's delicious. It's really good. It's really good. Um, it's, I was worried because I don't like things that are too gamey. Yeah. You know, but it doesn't taste gamey. It just has like a different kind of savory flavor. Yep. A different texture a little bit than beef. Um, it's become my favorite thing. So I cook or I'll work out or, uh, you know, sometimes if I'm, I just will give in and just eat. I have, I have a huge sugar addiction. I am absolutely oh, okay. addicted to candy. I love candy. It's my favorite thing in the world. So sometimes I'll just get a bag of candy or like, a, like two pints of ice cream and I'll eat them both in the same night. And I'll just give yeah. in, you know, every like one, maybe once every two months or something like that. Um, emotional eating. Emotional you know? eating. I, mean, I think mm-hmm. that as long as you don't make it a habit and it's like a once in a blue moon situation. Yeah. Treat yourself. Fine. Yeah. And work out the next day or I'll meditate for a while. So I got different go-tos to kind of balance out my uh, negativity whenever it props up. Yeah. No, it sounds like you have a lot of tools. Are you the kind of person who reads self-help books or like, where did you learn all this stuff? Uh, I don't really read self-help books okay. unless, unless they've been, unless you classify them as a self-help book. I'm not sure. Like there's, um, I haven't read it yet, but I just got Think and Grow Rich. Uh, uh-huh. And then I have this book by Tony Robbins. And then I have this other book that I finished reading called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. I think that Ooh. one is a self-help book. That might be classified that as is, self-help yeah, that's book. definitely in the category. Yeah. But uh, most of it has just been observing what other people do and, and um, absorbing what I see uh, and testing it out for myself to see it'll, if it'll work for me. Uh, yeah. You know? Like seeing other people that are doing well and being like, oh, I'm going to steal yeah. that. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. Kevin Hart goes on a four mile run at 5 a.m. every day. Maybe I can like work out every day too, you know? Or like, oh, you know, Kobe meditates. Maybe I can, maybe I can meditate. You know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, he, so he was big on meditating. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. He meditated a lot. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, did, I, I didn't know about that. I guess I haven't really looked into it, but that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. He, there's a lot that, kind of came to light for people um after he passed away that a lot of us knew just from being around him but uh you know it's uh the meditation is is a was a big part of 
his recovery process and just like his overall balance. So that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Cool. Well, do you have um, any last words of wisdom before we go? I mean, obviously, people need to go check out the Brent Pella show. Yeah. Podcast. Go subscribe. Go check it out. Um, check out your sketches on Instagram. But, uh, you know, any other last words of wisdom from the, the Mamba comedian? <laughs> yeah. Drink more water. Dude, people don't drink enough water. Drink, please drink more water. Drink more water today than you were going to drink today. That's all the advice I have is drink more water. Please just drink more water, everybody. That's it. And you'll be happier. Thanks, Brent. (laughs) Katie, thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I hope that it made you feel a little bit less weird about whatever it is that you're going through, maybe gave you some uplifting advice or some things to think about. So if you want to learn more about anything we talked about, you can go to crimebehindpod.com for our episode guide. And of course, please, 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 if you loved what you heard today, then hit that subscribe button and leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps to spread the word so I can continue destigmatizing these conversations around mental health and other taboo topics that uh, are not normally out there in the podcast sphere. Also, if you want to learn more about Brent, that's going to be in our episode guide as well. You can check out our Facebook group, which is facebook.com slash group slash crying behind pod. Or you can find me, Katie Dahl, on social medias everywhere. So until next time, take a walk outside, put on your sunglasses and stay cool. Stay present. Stay sunny.